Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time together studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together and we hope that you will enjoy your time with us. Hi there, welcome back to the Faith Life Sisters as we talk through Hebrews 11. We are on the very tail end of this um, series that we're working through, and today we're talking about Hebrews 11. Um, verse 30, verses 32 through 34. And then if you want to read beyond that, we have um, verses 35 through 40 that we're not going to talk about today. We're going to do kind of a little wrap up episode where we're going to touch on these a little bit. But um, verses 32 through 34 have a lot of information in them and do some um, small touch points on big names. So that's what we're going to work on today. Um, I think Terry's going to start us out by reading those verses for us. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Yeah. So we really like the verse 32 where it says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about because (laughs) we don't have time to tell about either. Um, (laughs) We'd be here for months. (laughs) Exactly. So we're just going to hit on the big six that are mentioned by name to start with. Um, And Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, depending on where you are, is said differently. Um, But those are all from Judges. Those are Judges, and those are from the book of Judges. Um, So if you want to read more in-depth about them, that's where you need to um, camp out for a while. And it's really, it's a very interesting, it's Mm -hmm. a very interesting book. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think that book spans like about 325 years, and it it's just interesting to really study that along with the cycle of sin, like how they get it, and then the cycle of sin, and um, well, because after Joshua died, now they don't have a strong leader, yeah. and um, so the judges have been kind of called up one by one over the years because they need someone to lead them. So um, that's where these guys, these people come in. Yeah. They would do fine for a little while and then they would slide off into idolatry and, and idol worship again. Mm -hmm. And then God would raise somebody up. Um, Usually there'd be some kind of enemy that would come in um, and they would need a a leader to help them vanquish that enemy. Then they would kind of follow God for a while. Then they'd slide back down that slope and -hmm. fall back into idol worship. Um, so it was just a terrible, a vicious cycle for mm-hmm. over 300 years. Yeah, I think we were talking too before um, when Joshua said, 
to the angel that came. He said, are you on my side or are you on the other guy's side? And the, the angel said, neither. And I was like, that kind of bothers me. It really did bother me for a while until I started realizing, I think Angie also was saying in a, in a discussion, well, there's God's side. And so here's our opportunity is God's not on our side or someone else's side. We have the opportunity to join God's side. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of see that all through Judges. It's not our side or his side. There's a lot of ites, I-T-E-S, coming mm-hmm. at them. And God will use them according to what his purpose is. Yep. Right, because the, the nation of Israel will go along and they'll be doing great and they'll be looking at, you know, they'll be worshiping the Lord and they'll be saying, you know, God, you're our God and look at all these amazing things that you've done and we remember you when we, we praise you. And then they get caught up in the local customs of worshiping their gods and their deities and creating altars and going through all of that. And then God's like, Hey, guess what? This isn't how it's supposed to be. And so then he allows enemies to come in and to conquer. And then they're like, Oh man, we need you to rescue us, God. And then he says, okay, I've got you. And then he, you know, rescues them. And then they're like, Oh God, you're awesome. And we love you. And we remember, and we worship you and we praise you. And then they're like, Oh, but look at over here. (laughs) This golden cow is really awesome. You know, I think maybe some of the power comes from him. And so it just over and over and over again. Um, Which really is good news for us because it seems like you keep saying, why do they keep going back? And really, why does God keep rescuing them? But he keeps rescuing us. Excuse me. You know, Jesus came once to die for all to cover our sins, but my day and um, we need God to keep rescuing us. We have sin in our life and and he does the same for us. So read that. Right. Like we may not look and say, oh, hey, look, there's a golden calf. That looks really awesome. I think I'm going to believe that every good thing comes from this golden calf. But we do have a tendency to go, oh, look, I can take that job, which makes more money that can provide this and that can provide more of that. And then um, we forget that God is our provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, we kind of even see it in the first story with Gideon, Um, his ephod that he made. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, You know, the ephod was a good thing to have, but God said, no, not out of that. And so as we get into it, let's just, as we kind of dive in, like, who's Gideon? I think Gideon's a farmer, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. we first come on him, he's kind of afraid, but he's pretty smart. He's worried about the enemy getting his farm products. So he goes down in a wine press to thrash his wheat. Mm-hmm. In, in secret because the, um, Midianites. the Midianites. Midianites keep coming and yeah. setting and fire to their crops and ruining everything they have. And so he's doing it in a secret place, hopefully, that they wouldn't find so that they could have some wheat to make bread. Yeah. Yeah, and the Midianites, when they came, they destroyed everything. Everything. They didn't just leave some crops or take some out. They made sure that Israel was desecrated. And this went on for years. Yeah. And so I can just imagine Gideon, he's in the wine press, and the angel comes, and Gideon's going, 
what me really mm-hmm. are you serious and and so he kept testing god with the fleece he keep asking god to confirm it because he was like this cannot be true because he says my clan is the least right and i'm the youngest of everybody i'm no mighty warrior what do you what do you mean yeah you know? It's pretty cool when the angel first comes to Gideon. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm sure Gideon's like, well, wait a minute, I'm hiding down here in the wine press. I'm just trying to thrash my wheat. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm kind of looking over his shoulders. There's I'm somebody sure. back there that you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he continues to engage God even though he doubts God, even though he thinks Mm -hmm. God's picked the wrong person. Because the issue, the thing that Gideon does is he keeps looking at his own identity. Yeah. Doesn't look at God and God's identity. Um, Well, God puts a pretty good test out there of his own. He tells Gideon to go and destroy the altar of Baal. Yeah. So from this scared guy who's down in the wine press trying to hide from the Midianites, he goes and he does what God tells him to do. He tears down the altar and he doesn't make any secret of it. Oh, except so, he does it at night because he's well, a little yeah. scared. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, once it's gone, once it's kind of hard done, to hide that. He's like, yeah, okay, I, I did that, right. So um, so now the Midianites, there's going to be a battle, right? And um, Gideon starts out with 32,000 men. Mm-hmm. God yeah. says, uh, let's take 22,000 away. So now there's 10,000 left. And Gideon's probably thinking, okay, I can... I can handle that. Then there's another little thing where they have to bend down and drink, drink some water. So some bend down and drink it with their hands and some lap it up, I think like dogs. Mm-hmm. So then God says, we'll send all the ones that did it that way away. And Gideon's left with 300 people to fight the Midianites. So at this point, I'm, I would think he's thinking, well, there's no way, 300 people. How are we going to ever win this battle? But then I love it. God causes confusion in the Midianite camp. They kill each other. So God has built Gideon's faith with tearing down the altar, um, with answering that little test that Gideon put out with the fleece. So Mm -hmm. Gideon's gotten his faith built. God's been faithful to build that faith up. But now God's showing him, the battle's really mine. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's a pretty cool story. Gideon's an interesting um, and God wanted to make sure that he got the glory and the honor for this battle. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, Angie, to show him that God has it. It's, it's all in God's hands. Yeah. So God gets the glory for it, not Gideon and not the Israelites. And, and the reason for that is because the real battle is, are they going to look to God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the real battle. The Midianites are just there to um, help God's purpose go through. Right. The real battle is, are they going to see God? When I think for yeah. us, you know, God gives all of us different gifts and talents. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not God's ability that's really working through us. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a good reminder, I think, that um, no matter what I can do, whatever gifts God's given me or what I can do in my own strength, that's really not the point with God. That It's God working through us to accomplish His will. Um, with whatever we do today. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where we have that trap, like the Israelites had, of like, I've got it. I can depend on it. myself. I can depend on my paycheck. I can depend on my ability to go to the grocery store. I can depend on my ability to be kind to people 
or to um, help people in ways that I see fit, mm-hmm. where if we're not leaning on the Lord for all of those things, that's when we fall and that's where we are back at the bottom of the cycle, mm-hmm. just like the Israelites were. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's shown in the ephod. Mm-hmm. Where Gideon, he's done all these good things. They say, oh my goodness, you rule over us. You've done such a great job. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. But if everybody kind of gives me an earring, I'll make something really special for us all. Mm-hmm. And it's something that separates them from God. Mm-hmm. Then Israel, they, um, where is that? At? It's like, um, he took Gideon, made that gold into an ephod, which he placed in Oprah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Mm-hmm. So Gideon's done. He's, his faith is built up. He's done all these amazing things. And he goes, well, maybe. And an ephod is a good thing for worship. Mm-hmm. God never told him to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of people telling people to do, let's move on to Barak. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So I got a thing going on here with Barak. And here's my thing. How did he get in the Hebrews Hall of Faith? Because right? what he did, all he did was do what Deborah told him to do. Yeah. Right? right. How come Deborah's not in the Hall of Faith? That's right, sister. That's I what know. I'm saying. <laughs> but apparently I did not write the Bible. So <laughs> I guess God has his reasons. There yeah, he does. Even maybe, maybe it's to say, men, you should listen to your women. To your women. There you go. There it is, Suzanne. And maybe Barat gets credit. Yeah, maybe he gets credit because he was willing to listen to a woman, the woman that God put in that position of authority. Because how hard would that be in this day and age for a man to follow a woman? Except that he was pretty adamant. So here's the thing. Um, Deborah tells him to go, and um, they are... Oh, boy, this is a whole lot. Um, He's the commander of De- of the armies, right? Right. 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 And Deborah, Deborah. is the prophetess mm-hmm. and the judge. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she gets word from the Lord, and she says to Barak, <clears throat> excuse me, you're supposed to go, and this is in Judges 4. Mm-hmm. She says to him, um, you're supposed to go, and you are supposed to attack... Well, take 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. That's in 4-6. There we go. Mm-hmm. And the and Lord then, is going to lure Sisera. Mm-hmm. And I will lure Sisera and his chariots at the Kishon River and give him into your hands. And Barak so, says, well, I'll go if you'll go with me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but if you don't go with me, there. I won't go. Yeah. <laughs> he more than listened. I wonder <laughs> he if he, he's like, you know what? God's blessed you. Not necessarily mm-hmm. me. God has hand has his hand on you. If you go, I know I'll I'll, I'll be make right. it okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're like they're kind of camped out in this in this place and they're just um waiting. And and Deborah says to him, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. So go, go now. Oh, go. Yeah. Now's the time. Look at I love verse nine. Very well, Deborah said, I'll go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. A so, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy? But in, in the, yeah, and when I first read it, I thought, oh, he, she, God's going to give Deborah 
But that's not what happened. Not it what was happened. the wife of one of the kings. That's right. Who's it comes down to 17. Yeah. yeah. And um, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the family of the, uh, Heber the Kenite. So they were like co-fighter guys against, yeah. against Deborah and against um, Barak. Mm-hmm. And the wife says, oh, come on into the tent. Yeah. You're, you're tired, everything else? Um, she says, do that, and we'll... Um, and then when he goes to rest, she puts a tent spike through his temple. And kills him. And Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of does. she's the woman who gets the honor. Yeah. JL, her name is JL. JL. Yeah. Right. I, yep. But I kind of imagined her saying that, like the fly says, or the spider says to the fly, come on into yeah. my, come on over. Come in, <laughs> yeah. you need to rest a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Right, yeah. but Barack, through all of this, because that's really who we're talking about, Barack is like, okay, you know, I, I believe that God has called me through you. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to you because I trust that you are really speaking from the Lord, from the Lord. Yeah. You know, and, and so now I've got a little more compassion for Barack because it's like, it's not about him. It's like, let's accomplish this. Let's get it done. Great. If it goes to a woman, fine. That's why it's going to happen. I just know I'm not going to step away from God. Mm. Which is a great example for us because it's like, okay, if God wants this done and wants me, no matter what part he wants me to play in it, I need to be willing to do it. I need to be willing to be the very lowest man on the totem pole Mm -hmm. who does nothing but lick the envelopes to send out to whoever Mm -hmm. or the person who gets to stand in front of everyone and take credit for what was completed. And so that's why Barack is in the hall of faith. Right. But I, because he I'm was also, willing to just do what he needed to do to accomplish the goal that God had set forth, whether he got the glory for it or not. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when I when we start going through this, I get confused as we're coming into these, and I love talking with you guys about it because it's like that's why he's in there. That's like I was it? really stuck on jail. I was like, this is like Hansel and Greta, but with goat milk or something. It was like really. <laughs> well, bad. it's like we were wondering goat why milk. wasn't Deborah in the Hall of Faith, right? You know, but right. but. But when, you know, after what Suzanne said, I think that's, that's the answer is that he did whatever that little part he was given, he was willing to do it. That was his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to have credit for it. He and he continues it. after that um, particular episode. He is a great commander and they do yes. win many, many battles. And I love this song. I kind of, at the end of the chapter, I started to pass it by and like, oh, whatever. Uh-huh. Then I started hearing it in my mind as a duet, because it says their song as yeah. a duet. And like, uh, she sings a part and then he'll sing it or he'll re- the repeat. I just imagine them singing in perfect harmony this song um, to God. And that was so cool. Yeah. We're going to jump on to Samson mm-hmm. next, who's our next talking point. And Samson is this guy who um, is, he's known for his power. He's known for his great power. You know, if you strength, strength, yeah, his strength. So if you think about mm-hmm. Samson, usually that's what it is, is like his undefeatable strength. I mean, he literally tears wild animals limb from limb. He tears a a lion open with his bare hands. You know, he defeats all these people and 
Um, all of his power, here's spoiler alert, all of his power comes from his hair. <laughs> yeah. Wait, well, no, no. It comes from God. It comes from but. God. God uses his hair. That's yes. the, yeah. yeah. Right. Remember that Samson was a Nazarite. So right. his parents had been told by God, set him aside. He's going to be used by me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was a very special person from the very beginning, but he sure had his issues. I mean, he, he kept falling for the wrong gal. Well, his yeah. life was ruled by um, his desires. By his desires, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. He just and saw he, one woman after another, and he had to have each and every one. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was a Philistine from yeah. the opposing party. And they were party. both foreign women. Yeah, and God is always, I mean, he knows he's set aside at birth to serve God, and yet both women that he chooses are foreign women. Surely Mm -hmm. he knew that he should not, of all people, he shouldn't be going after a Philistine woman. Yeah, it's interesting. It it almost has like this entitlement. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I've been set aside, so I don't have to really pay attention to to God now. Yeah. Right. Well, don't you think what, like his flowing locks would probably have something to do with the attraction too? I mean, you know, he's well, I can imagine he's a big, strong guy with great yeah. curly hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and yeah. that might have been his temptation point. Yeah, women liked him too. Mm-hmm. Right, and his 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 downfall comes from his pride. Is what it is. He's. Um, with a he's in a, the home of a prostitute and falls in love with her and um, the opposing armies are like, hey, we know who this guy is. Find out what his weakness is. Where did his power come from? And so he for money, for money, for money. she's right. getting paid. Mm-hmm. So he plays all these games with her, and he's like, oh, if you use you know a rope that's never been used before, then my power will be gone, my strength will be gone. You know all of these things, and he's like, ha 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 gotcha that's not really it and then he falls under her and he says it's my hair it all comes through my hair if my hair has never been cut um, because I've been set aside for God and so that's that's where this kind of channels through so to speak and so she drugs him essentially right and so yeah shaves his head and then that's it and so then they take him and anyway it's very gruesome yep well, they make him, they bind him, they tie him to a, a threshing wheel. So he's, gr- or grinding wheel. So he's mm-hmm. pushing this wheel. They've blinded him too. Yeah, so after they, they've gouged his eyes out. They gouged his eyes out. Yeah. Which gross was, moments in the Bible. Yeah. Sorry. Seriously. But that was common, especially yeah. for powerful people to be punished yeah. that way so that they could not um, find a way out mm-hmm. of their imprisonment. Mm-hmm. And then they were... Um, made to do things that normally would be assigned to slave women. So it was embarrassing for them as well. Mm. So. so there he is, captive, blind, bound to this grinding wheel. And um, he comes back to the Lord. He realizes that, I, I think it, it's a place where he sees that he's done What's happened to him is his own fault. Mm -hmm. He's reaping the consequences of his behavior. And so now um, he's in the temple or the palace, and he calls on God to give him strength. Right. He's been ordered to perform for all of these royals and nobles of people. Yeah. 
and they bind him to a pillar. Right. And that's when he calls on the Lord and he's like, give me, give me power just one more time. One more time. Mm -hmm. Give me the strength one more time. And he knows that when that strength comes on him, it's going to be the end of him too. So he pulls down the pillar and the whole thing collapses. It kills everybody, Mm -hmm. himself included. Yeah. So. um, And he still ended up accomplishing what God wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, he was told that you're to begin the battle with the mm-hmm. Philistines. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily going to end it. Mm-hmm. So even with all of the things that Samson did, he was able to um, still accomplish God's purpose, or God was still able to accomplish his purpose through his Samson. Purpose through Samson. Yeah. yeah. How reassuring for us that no matter how many times we mess up, when God has a purpose for us, he will use us. He to will fulfill that it. purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really so. is encouraging for us because I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians who mess up, maybe head off on the wrong path, you know, one of their biggest fears is, well, now I've, I've ruined it. God can't use me anymore. Um, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be lucky if He just still loves me, right? Yeah. But that's not true. God always has a purpose for us. In Jeremiah, he says, I, I know the plans I have for you, and they're good plans, plans to prosper you and to give you hope in the future. So no matter what, God will fulfill his purpose through us. Um, we're never discarded. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yep. Yeah. So funny little story that has nothing to do with this. I mean, it kind of does. But um, <laughs> Like, so the three of you know my husband. Um, maybe if you're listening, you know my husband. Um, he has these eyebrows that are like a force of nature, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like you are, he walks in and there's like eyebrows. And <laughs> my children have inherited it. Um, my daughter, when she was born, that's one of the first things that the nurses said was like, oh my gosh, your baby has eyebrows. And I'm like, yeah, look at his dad or her dad. You know, I mean, it just is what it is. And um, so we used to go to this hairdresser and she always wanted to like really like trim his eyebrows like a lot and shape them. And he's just not going to have that happen. He's like, that's not how it is. Um, But she would always say, you know, just let me let me cut your eyebrows. And he's like, no, that's the source of my power. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so funny. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So we were very familiar with the Samson issue around my house. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Think about with COVID, how many people, their hair is getting so long. We're all getting more and more powerful. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, they weren't allowed to drink any wine or, you know, Sorry, that goes away. (laughs) It all negates each other. Right, right. All right, well, let's jump. um, Oh, my goodness. We are, wow. This is going to be a long episode, folks. So just take us as we roll today. Um, Okay, so for Jephthah, so much for not having time for these people, right? Right. Anyway. We made it. So Jephthah, he is... um, his story is kind of a small story, mm-hmm. um, but his is a very good example of the way that we decide what we're going to do to honor God and how sometimes it backfires. Yeah. So he gets called out. He's um, successful in his 
military accomplishments. And he's like, thank you, God, whatever it is, you know, in order to show you how appreciative I am, whatever comes out to greet me when I am on my way home, I will sacrifice that to you, no matter what it is. Um, which is stupid because God doesn't ask us to do things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And we, we can show favor and we can show thankfulness, but we should be thoughtful in what we say we will do to the Lord, not just, how do I say that carefully? Well, we should be asking God in all the other, a lot of the other situations, like even with Gideon, it's like, can, can I make you a lamb? Can I sacrifice a lamb, give you a burnt offering? We can ask God, is there a way that we can offer a sacrifice? Right. How, how can I appropriately show my appreciation? Like God doesn't want us, let's get back to the story and then this will make a little more sense. So (laughs) he says, okay, God, it's awesome. I give you the glory. This is great. Whatever it is that comes out to greet me when I get home, I will sacrifice to you. And it's his daughter. That it's his daughter. And and not just his daughter, but his only child. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, oops. And he tears his clothes and he's like, no, you have to come out. You know, I mean, I can see him like shaking his fists and whatever. And his daughter's like, okay. You know what? He could have closed his eyes and just looked around to the left or done something like that. <laughs> I don't see him. I don't he see him. Just peeked out and said, oh, that's the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like if he can see her coming, you know, why does he? Because this is not just like somebody is walking out the door of the house. This is like walking out of the compound, right? Because uh-huh. this had, they had walls and they had animals and they had you know all of these kinds of things so why if like if he can see her coming i think i'd be like stop throw the cat through the door you yes know <laughs> go get joe <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry so, her name's joe yeah, yeah one thing about jephthah is it kind of reminded me a little bit about cain and abel hmm. you know god had already prescribed what sacrifice was required or acceptable to him it was an animal sacrifice And yet Cain decides that he's going to sacrifice his fruit and his vegetables. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, God's told us plenty of things that he requires of us or wants from us, how to do certain things, what gives him glory. And yet how often do we say, well, I'm going to do this for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we make that decision. You know, and part of it, almost want to back up totally. Jephthah was, uh, he he was born uh, from his father and a prostitute. So he wasn't given the rights of a family. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was, um, and they actually, the sons ran him out of town. So there's a lot of, um, and I, I, I might see it in my work sometimes a lot, like trauma or this um, you're not good enough or you're not going to be in a striving to be good enough or this striving to, um, I don't know. There's something about his story where sometimes people create these structured rules so that, so that they can do this, so they can accomplish this as opposed to just relationship with God. His relationships have been really distorted. I think even from the beginning yeah. And he had to get through some of that. And I just kind of wonder if his making this rule that doesn't make any sense was a pattern for him back earlier. Well, 
One of the commentaries that I read about him said that he was a big talker, constantly talking, always negotiating. You know, the Bible says there's, there's sin in too many words. So he just kept talking, 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 and he talked himself right into a vow that ended up sacrificing his daughter. Mm, yeah. Um, so maybe a little thing to, you know, we don't need to just always be talking. You know, and I think he was like, um, you know, how you start to get excited about something and he's yeah. coming in and the victory trumpets are blowing and, and he's gone from this stinking half brother um, son of a prostitute and now he's going to be the commander of the armies because he has routed the enemy and he's just amping up he's so he's coming into his town and um and he's gonna he's gonna be the leader so now he's just totally i think over the top on himself and just like you know strutting through and look at me and um, he was good though he was a good military leader. I mean, he knew his he stuff. Was, he was good, and he did. But when it comes down to the to this uh, vow that he makes, that's yeah. totally off off track. I'm just think. So, yeah. how many times do we say, you know, God, I know what you require of me, but I'm going to do more. Yeah. I'm going to do bigger. I'm going to do better, and that if we really break it down as a pride issue of I know what I can do for you more than you know what you need from me. So God, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. Let me help you. So I'm looking at that and almost like there's this pattern of trying to prove yourself, not truly knowing your identity. You're someone that God has called and resting on that. But because of some earlier wound, you keep going, oh, yeah, I'm going to prove myself. Uh, Yep, see that? Like you were saying, Terry, it's like, I'm a military leader. Mm -hmm. I can do this. But underneath, it's like, oh, man, I'm still that son of a prostitute that people rejected. It's like he has to root out that that earlier sin, that earlier problem. I think it affects our relationships. Absolutely. You know, we can do what God tells us, but then that trying to prove yourself is underneath that. It's because you don't believe that you are one that God has called. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. simply good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the yeah. word in, in Judges 11, 29, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah and Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And he made a vow to the Lord, If you give the Ammonites into my hand, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me, when I return in triumph will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So he's just had this spiritual high. The spirit of the Lord has come yeah. upon him for this battle. So he's probably feeling, but whatever comes out of the front door of my house, he has to know that's going to be a person, right? What else could come out of the door of his house? Not like people are throwing food out the door. The dog, <laughs> the cat, the chickens. But I, th- I, I do think that, um, He's, he's really misguided here mm-hmm. that he's, he's thinking I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do something because he's been full of the spirit of God. And we all know that when God lets you participate in what he's doing, there's no feeling like that in the whole yeah. world. Yeah. So he is on a spiritual high and he makes this crazy vow. And, and you know, do something great for God. 
it was going to be a huge personal sacrifice. He said, you know, whatever comes out of my house, like not Joe's house, like right, yeah, right. <laughs> I'll sacrifice them. Yeah. It was going to be a personal sacrifice of his. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but so, it got in his own way. He got in his own mm-hmm. way. Like I said, I, I think he has to think that it's probably going to be a person. But God has already said, I don't want any human. You're not burning your people from people, me. Yeah, right. right. That's what the pagans do. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a crazy twisted idea that he has mm-hmm. to sacrifice whatever comes out of his house. Cause I think he had to have known whatever was going to come out was going to be on a couple of legs. was going to be a person. But again, this just is encouraging to us in the fact that we get crazy ideas and we yeah, get in our own way, but God can still see us as faithful. I mean, yeah. how many of us have offered to, burn our children is an offering hopefully none none <laughs> i mean none of, i i'm pretty sure none of the four of us i can yeah. speak pretty yeah. wait is this thursday that. okay yeah not today <laughs> yeah. um you know but we do we come up with these crazy things of like god watch what i can do for you and it's almost like that hey look at me hey look at me look at me you know like little yeah. kids were like dad what dad, look what i can do yeah. right and then yeah. spin around for 14 seconds and it's like okay nice you know whatever <laughs> so but you're right, it is the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. And so God is faithful. Japheth achieves what God had purposed for him to achieve, and he's listed in the Hall of Faith for it. Right. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, let's bump over. Now we're going to be finished with Judges. We're going to bump over to David and Samuel real quick. Um, and if you want to read the stories of David and Samuel, you can find those in First and Second Samuel. And that's where those stories are in the Bible, first and second Samuel. And David moves into the into first Kings a little bit too. Um, there's a lot of reference to David, but first and second Samuel is where these guys are are big. Um, so David, we know about David for several reasons. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So he is called um, to be the king. And he is called to be the king as like a, what, 11 or 12-year-old boy, maybe. Um, He is the youngest of many boys. He is thought of the lowliest, or he is thought as the lowliest of these boys. Um, A shepherd boy. A shepherd Mm -hmm. boy. And there is a prophet. God sends this prophet, and he says, there's going to be a new king. Um, I want you to go find him, so go to this house. And I'll identify him for you. And he goes to this house and he says to the dad, I'm here because God sent me and I'm going to choose the next king from your sons. And so bring him in. Let me see. And he sees all of them. And he's like, no, 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 no. And these are good looking, strong, smart, capable people. Mature. Mature, right. A little older than David. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you look at him and you think, oh, this is kingly material. And he's like, none of these guys. So who else do you have here? And he's like, well, I have one more, but he's like the run to the litter and he's stinky and he's out with the sheep. He's like, bring him in. So that's who they end up with. Um, can y'all hear me? I'm kind of frozen. Yeah, we can stop here. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where we start with David. Mm-hmm. So. It progresses. He gets, he's named king. Right. After many anointed years. king. Yes. He's a, yes. He's yeah, a, yeah. He's he was anointed, anointed king. Right. Mm-hmm. And so talk about faith. You're anointed king. You know, you're anointed king and you're back out with the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
well, what was that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what was that? And then eventually, um, doesn't um, Saul is the king? Saul is the king, the first king of Israel, mm-hmm. and um, God is not happy with what Saul's doing, and so yeah. that's why David was anointed uh, was anointed king. Right. Some of the things he actually Saul had David play music in his court mm-hmm. for him to soothe his soul and everything. David went out. I think this was earlier though. He went out and he fought Goliath. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think when I hear, you know, the story of Goliath, it's like, that's a mighty faith to yeah. go up against someone like that with rocks. Yeah. Hmm. And he did it because he's like, you know what? You've got a big mouth and you're talking about God and you're talking about his people mm-hmm. and my God can triumph over you. Mm-hmm. And he gave God the glory when he, when Goliath did fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Was, it was about God with David. It wasn't yeah. even about himself at all. So we've had like the grossest stories. Like we've been talking gross stories here. Like even Samson, he comes by the lion that he killed and there's honeybees in there. And David cuts off Goliath's head. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> and when they talk about the size, Goliath was really big. He was a giant. So can you imagine this 12-year-old kid or whatever, or I don't know how old he was at the time he did this, picking up this big old head? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this yeah. is so gross. Yeah. But anyway, David, not only that, but then Saul starts going, okay, everybody likes David now. They don't like me. He gets this jealousy towards David. Remember, well, David is best friends with Saul's son. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, Saul pursues him. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to kill David. So right. here's David going, oh, I was anointed king, and now I'm going to, like, someone's trying to kill me. And it was bad times. Not right. easy stuff. No, right? he's hiding in the woods. He's hiding in the caves. He's camping out in trees. I mean, this dude is on the run. For years. Yes. And years. it's like, you know, God, uh, I was pretty sure that that was real, that I was anointed to be the king. So... How is it that I'm running for my life out here and hiding? With his mighty men. Yeah. Gathering, gathering his, yeah, gathering his men. David had the opportunity to kill Saul. Yes, he he did. He did not take it because he knew that God had his own time frame. And I think he trusted that, yes, God, he had been anointed to be the king of Israel and that God would see that fulfilled in his timing, which that story always really blessed me a lot because I know I have a tendency to want to push God's timing you know I want it to happen right. when I want it to happen um, and his men were like hey hey you had the opportunity what do you what happened yeah. why didn't you kill him yeah and he said thing. he is God's mm-hmm. anointed who am I to raise my hand against God's anointed yeah. God will take care of it mm-hmm. yeah so he really showed a lot of faith in the midst of all that Tremendous faith. So yeah. then he, he also eventually becomes king, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And eventually sees Bathsheba. Right. He gets in his own way. Right. Yeah. Just like we all do. Just like we mm-hmm. all do. Yeah. So he, first thing is he got lazy. And it yeah. says in the spring when kings go out to war, David stayed home. He yeah. didn't want to go. Yeah. He was getting you know, lazy in his old age. I saw a quote. I don't remember where it was. It's like the thing about this Christian thing is it's daily. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's like an everyday thing that you got to do. (laughs) It's like, I love that. I did too. I was like, that's awesome. This Christian thing, it is daily. (laughs) You got to do it every day. (laughs) And, And then it starts sliding. Like you were saying, Terry, it's like it was in the spring. Mm-hmm. When all the kings daily, if he would have been doing what he was supposed to be doing, may not have had this issue. But he sees Bathsheba taking um, a bath on her rooftop. On the rooftop. I know. Bathsheba, what are you thinking? Right. <laughs> right. She's thinking she wants a good soak in the sun. That's yeah. what she's thinking. The only way to heat the, get the water nice. Yeah. Right. 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 Now, her, her husband was Uriah. And he was off at battle. So He's David goes, hey, come on over. <laughs> and she does. And they do. And <laughs> then she goes oh, back. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh, she becomes pregnant. Mm-hmm. And David goes, oh, okay, well, we'll fix this. Instead of going to God and confessing his sin. He goes, I know what we'll do. We'll have your husband come home. And then you guys make sure that you do the, what was it? Bow, wow, chicky, bow, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And Uriah goes, no, I should be with my men. I'll sleep outside on the doorstep. So that plan failed. David's like foiled. Oh, man. And then, um, so then he sends Uriah back, but to the front where he knows. Where he will be sure to be killed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So David's not perfect by any means. He's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. Not only all this, he really wasn't a great father. That's a whole nother story, but um, he made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I loved how Samuel came and talked to him about it, though. Mm -hmm. Told him the story of the lamb. Yeah. And he had David pronounce with his own feelings from his own perspective what should happen. Yeah. And then he told him it was you. And then, what does David do? He David's repents. heart is soft enough that he, rep- he recognizes himself yeah. in Samuel's story, and he is devastated to think that he's done that. Mm-hmm. So I think he has, the, the, one of the best things about David, you know, the word says he has a heart after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. He has a heart that recognizes that if he's repentant, that God will be faithful and forgive him and restore him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's um, unaware that there might not be some consequences because there are some consequences. Right. Um, but I think he realizes that um, if he keeps his heart right with God, if he is repentant, then um, God will forgive him. Mm-hmm. You know, when I um, you think about all the sins that David falls into and all the stuff he does, um, you just think, how can he be called faithful? How can he be called a friend of God? But the thing about David is um, he never, ever went after other gods. Even with all the wives he had and the foreign wives and stuff, he was not turned away from his God. Um, so, and that's, that's what makes him the most outstanding man. Mm -hmm. He may have been ignoring God. Sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Like we all do. Like we all do. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he was never turned. Never. So let's talk a teeny little, excuse me, a teeny little bit more about Samuel before we finish things up for the day. 
Well, he was dedicated from before birth. Yeah. Hannah was his mother. And she was um she was was barren, but she said if if I have a son I'll dedicate him to the Lord. So she he was born and, and um Samuel was raised by her, I think, till about twelve years old. And then um Eli, he went to be Serving trained under Eli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's who goes to speak to David. Um Right. And kind of give him a little wake up call. Mm-hmm. So God's able to use him specifically in that instance mm-hmm. uh, to turn David back to the Lord. Right. Right. So, so Samuel yeah. was a very faithful, he was faithful. He was faithful to Eli, mm-hmm. faithful to do the things that the Lord had called him to do. He was really disappointed when God said, go anoint me another king because I'm not happy with Saul. Eli had anointed Saul and, and, and loved Saul as the king. But he was faithful. He did what God said. He, he went and um, found David and anointed him as king. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he had a, his whole life was pretty, pretty faithful, I believe. And... Mm-hmm. Um. I, I looked away for a minute. We're talking about Samuel, but not, okay. I wasn't sure if you were still talking about Eli or Samuel. Um, and the Lord, when he first called Samuel, Samuel didn't recognize the voice. He was in bed asleep mm-hmm. and he was awakened by um, who he thought was Eli calling his name. And he got up and he went in there. What? And he's like, you called me. What did you need? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Mm-hmm. And that happened three times. And then finally, Eli's like, oh, <laughs> next time that happens, you answer and say, here I am, your servant. I'm your servant. What would you want from me? And so that is when God, um, you know, first called him personally to him to himself. Yeah. yeah. And then his whole, his whole life is dedicated to the Lord. Yeah. And so he's kind of a big time prophet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that safe to say that? Sure. He's, yeah, he's kind of a big time prophet, and that's that's what he does. There's all kinds of evidence of faithfulness mm-hmm. in Samuel, which he's mm-hmm. one of the ones um, through this whole long list that we've gone through in Hebrews 11. Samuel's one where it's like, oh yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of messiness, like big messiness, like David, like. Rahab, you know, um, who else have we talked about? But that's interesting too. Like he was, I agree. He was like a wonderful prophet. He was the last judge. Right. And most effective judge of Israel. Yeah. Um, but his sons didn't go to God. He was unable to turn his sons toward God. Um, Eli had the same issue. Yeah. Same thing with Eli. Yeah. So strong in faith as these men were, they weren't able to influence their family that way. I, I think part of like, and Eli isn't the prophet who trained him, is like he he would react, but he wouldn't like intentionally go after the sin, say, hey, this is something we've got to deal with. This is, um, he just kind of let him get by with it, his sons. And I don't know if that's what happened with Samuel's sons. But those are lessons from them that they were good men, but they just didn't have that um, 
with their own children. They didn't have that respect. Right. And Samuel was the last judge, like Uh Rosemary mentioned, um, before there was a king. And having a king was not God's plan to begin with. He was to be their king. But all of the people came to Samuel and fussed and fussed and fussed. And they're like, we want to be like that nation over there. And we want to be like that nation over there. And we want to be like, we want to be like the others. And so in chapter 12 of first Samuel, um, verse one, it says, Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I'm old and gray and my sons are here with you. I've been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand, testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed Whose ox have I taken? I mean, he goes on and he's like, I've not cheated or oppressed us. I, you've not taken anything from anyone's hand. Like they're saying, you know, yeah, you're good. But yeah, we want a king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's where Samuel is. Um, Samuel leads and, and anoints the king. But that's where the shift changes for the nation of Israel. Yeah. Well, and Samuel knows when the people say, give us a king. He's not happy about that. He knows that's not God's will, um, but he prays. He goes to God and he says, okay, Lord, they want a king. They're pestering me. I know it's not right, but God says to him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even through all that, Samuel, Samuel, he's going to God with this and he's not doing anything in his own strength. He's, he's still looking to the Lord to tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though it hurts him and it pains him. Yeah. Because he's like, this is not what, this, this is not is God's will. Yeah. Not his best. Right. Right. This is not what he has intended, but even though it pains him, God says, go ahead and give him a king. Yeah. And so he does. And so that's a great lesson for us too, because no matter, like if God says this is what needs to happen, even if it doesn't feel good to us, mm-hmm. he's going to use us. Sometimes it's in uncomfortable ways, but he's still going to use us to accomplish his purpose ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it may not look like we're, what we're expecting. Right. Yeah. But we have to be open to this is what God's saying. This is what he wants. Right. Well, speaking of um, not what we were expecting, we are far beyond what we were expecting to spend on our time today. Um, And we just want to, as we're wrapping things up today, we want to say pop in for the last episode of the Hebrews 11 series, where we're going to kind of wrap things up. Um, The intention is not for it to be as long as this one is, but Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll be able to (laughs) (laughs) So... um, Andy, do you want to pray for us as we finish things up today? I would love to. Great. Father, thank you again for um, your word. Father, we're so grateful that you've shown us um, all these people that you have designated as people of great faith um, because we can see that they're people just like we are, that they have their um, shortcomings and their downfallings. And yet none of that stops um, your will for their lives. And Father, we are so grateful to know that no matter the mistakes we might make, that you never give up on us, that you do have plans and purposes for us to accomplish. 
and that you will be faithful to us um, even when we're not faithful to you. So, Father, thank you for um, giving us your word and for telling us all about these people that you've been in relationship with in the past um, because they do encourage us, Father. They show us that you are a God who is able to do exceedingly above everything we could ever ask or think or imagine. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you for this. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Amen. And cut. <laughs> 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 <laughs>